0: Chapter 52 His phone had long since died. Light had started to give way to dark. He'd been motionless for over six hours, maybe more. He stretched his legs and the part of his brain that was coming back to life told him that he should move. He stood and felt like a drunk, waking from a booze-induced coma. He followed his instinct to head alongside the Hudson. Rather than being an intelligent, logical decision, it was because that was the direction where the heaviest cloud of dust was not sat he got to the cruise points north of the Lincoln Tunnel and knew he was near the hotel. Sirens in the distance were prolific, mirroring the sounds of screeches and screams and the impassioned cries for help that he heard throughout the nightmare. He couldn't shift the screaming. The death-like fanfare was living in his head and on constant replay. He related specific screams to specific faces in the sea of strangers. Every noise made him jump and still he replayed every second of the trauma. If this was the cost of living, he would rather have been dead. At Little Brazil and its connection to sick, the simple job of crossing the road was too much. He sat on the curb covered in dust and waited for everything to stop. Although he had been spared, he was now sat fully prepared to die. Passers-by offered help but he shut down. He couldn't acknowledge their offers of assistance, occasionally not even registering their presence. Time moved on without him. Looking up, he could see his New York home a few blocks north. In a moment of clarity and with an energy that had been missing for hours, he stood and walked towards the building. He had momentarily found his purpose and walked fast for fear that he wouldn't make it to his room if he stopped. It had been many hours since he had left Irfan's lifeless body and an hour or so more since his friend left their breakfast for the North Tower. Finally, he stumbled through the glass entrance to his hotel. One of the concierge staff was immediately at his side. Mr. Lewis, Mr. Lewis, we have been so worried about you. Can I help you, please? Some water, some food, please, Mr. Lewis. Are you okay? Steve didn't recognize the young chap who addressed him so intently, but he was grateful for the supporting arm that now held on to him. But this first human touch he'd felt since leaving Earth and was suddenly too much, and having tried to hold himself together until now, he finally collapsed onto his knees in the center of the packed foyer. Everyone stopped, stunned into silence, understandably nosing into this stranger's grief. Another staff member appeared with a bottle of water and then unsuccessfully tried to help him into a nearby seat. From the crowd emerged another face, this one more familiar. "'You're Isla's friend, aren't you?' "'It was Sally.' Steve stared at her. Yeah, "'Yes, I am. What are you doing here? Is she okay?' Sally put a comforting hand on his arm, quietly reassuring him that Isla was fine." before kindly standing the attentive staff member down. She would look after Steve from here. The duty manager appeared. He was carrying a large bundle of papers. Mr Lewis, sir, I am so sorry. If I can help in any way, please ask. Sir, I have several urgent messages for you. We were so concerned for you. Can I give these to you? Give them to me, please. Sally took them. I've got it from here. Steve had no real idea who Sally was or why she was helping him. He was struggling to recall who anyone was, but her presence was reassuring. She took the papers and led him away. As they approached the room, he could see someone sitting outside his room. "'She's been switching between here and reception for hours, just waiting for you,' Sally whispered into his ear. worried sick.' The woman ran straight to him. She'd had hours of not knowing if he was dead or alive. She went to jump into him, but as she got closer, she saw his wretchedness and burst into tears. A combination of joy and despair erupted in the long corridor. Sally gave the bundle of papers to Isla and left them alone.'